0: What up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Aspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining me. I'm so excited once again to have an amazing guest who has just uh, an incredible story of overcoming adversity and uh, addiction. And, you know, the list goes on there. And his name is uh, Tyler Hansen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Todd. Yeah, you bet. Um, I want to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me. And helping getting the word out with this uh belief cast it truly has been a blessing and it's allowed many many people to hear such great stories and it's inspired people to change the response has been amazing and just once again listeners thank you for believing in me and giving me this opportunity to bring great people on like uh, tyler to share their story a little background on tyler um he's he struggled with addiction he spent Two and a half years in prison. I can't wait to hear more about that. Uh, he's been sober now for over eight years. Uh, he is pursuing his master's in social work. He's received a degree in psychology. And he's also a licensed advanced substance use uh, disorder counselor in the state of Utah. Uh, he donates his time at RISE. Uh, it's a program in the uh, Utah County Jail, which is an amazing program, by the way. And I want, I want our listeners to get to know more about that as well. Um, he's a member of the Utah County Sheriff's Office. He's on the board of directors at the Utah Harm Reduction Coalition. Um, he's, he's also uh, one of the owners of Steps, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. He has five amazing kids, a beautiful wife, and he spends his spare time with them, and we'll talk about them as well. So Tyler, thank you for taking the time and joining, joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me on, Todd. This is Absolutely, awesome. I yeah. appreciate the opportunity.
0: You betcha. So let's just kind of start off. We there's a lot here, and I can't wait to get into it because I know your story. I've heard it before, and it's it's powerful. And uh, I always admire someone <clears throat> chokes me up. People who have been through so much adversity, but they found their way out of it. And you truly are an inspiration. So thank you um, for that. For just you know being willing to be vulnerable here today. Um, Tell us a little bit about growing up and a little bit about your family.
1: So I grew up in um, Orm, Utah, and I have five uh, wonderful brothers and sisters and, and wonderful parents, and uh, my brothers and sisters are all really accomplished athletes. And the reason I know, Todd, I'm a really mediocre athlete <laughs> is because my brothers and sisters are so good at everything. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> we grew up in a really competitive environment. Uh, we played hard, we worked hard. Uh, my dad owned a, a business down there and he worked hard and, and we just grew up in a really cool home, but man, we, we grew up in, and we're kind of animals, right? And so <laughs> we, we, we played a lot of sports together, uh, grew up playing basketball and, and football and baseball. And, Yeah. And uh, it was, it was awesome.
0: Where are you in the pecking order? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So you had kind of had to show the way a little bit, right? A little bit, but I, it turns (laughs) out I'm
1: the oldest and probably close to being the shortest in the family. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, Oh, how did that happen? Right? Exactly. What's going on with that? Yep.
0: So, um, so you were taught, it sounds like at a young age to work hard Mm -hmm. and to, to kind of that competitive drive that kind of leads to success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, we had a lot of fun and still do to this day. Um, when we all get together, there's a lot of laughs and, and have a really good time. But, but man, we were competitive and, <laughs> and we're driven, really driven people.
0: Right. So, um, growing up, did you, was there pressure to, to be the best? Did you ever feel like, you know, that was something that you were always striving to do kind of thing? Or, or or did you kind of just go with the flow of things, or was uh, there that expectation i think
1: there was that expectation to be great okay. and i think um you know in high school, I was successful, played baseball um and you know it's an interesting thing when uh i had when i had gone to college i went to college at at uh at rick's okay. at the old b y u idaho and um my brother was then a junior and senior in in uh, high school, and became this incredible, incredible athlete. Right. And it was a great uh, experience, and he worked really hard and was really talented. And the issue kind of became with me, you know, your beliefs and the, the things you think about yourself. And and I had had I had never thought I could I was going to measure up. Right. And I think part of that was was height. Part of that was just some stuff I came with, but when my brother started to be really, really successful, I probably had, you know, in Utah County, two thousand people walk up to me on a on a you know daily basis and kind of you know not every day, but but right. essentially walk up and say, "Hey, what what happened to you? Why are you not tall? Why are you not <laughs> yeah?" And, and you know this kind of athlete, and and it really. In the beginning, it's kind of easy to laugh it off and yeah. and, and do whatever. And, and then after a little while, it really kind of starts to hit home. And it really um, was one of those things that really wore on me day in and day out. Right. And, and it, it's the comparison thing with addiction you know, sure. and, and everything else. We always compare uh, people and we do their weaknesses to our strengths, right. their strengths to our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I did, Todd, or how I felt, I was
0: not going to be 6'7". <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you can't teach height. Right? No, exactly. You know, exactly. Well, and, you know, we did kind of chuckle at that, but that's I can I can see how that would be start forming a belief that I'm just not measuring up, and, and not about height, but just not measuring up. I'm not quite good enough, mm-hmm. and and that starts to form this belief uh, that you know I know you and I when we deal with our clients, we yeah. hear this all the time. I'm just not good enough.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, and and that was that. You know, no matter what anybody said, and I had incredible parents, incredible support system, sure. inc- incredible, you know, people around. The biggest piece was, you know, inside I thought, I'm just not good enough. I'm not as good as my brother. I'm not measuring up like, you know, he is. I'm not, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, he he essentially you know was drafted in the nba and made you know a million dollars in, in sure. a few days and there was no way for me to be able to kind of use that comparison
0: right if you try to compare yourself to that it's like it, that would be one of those it would be really depressing actually yeah, right? yeah. and it really
1: was for me yeah it really wore on me on a daily basis it was really 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 hard
0: well and i've had other people i've talked to kind of in a similar situation and you being the oldest mm-hmm. I bet that put that little extra added pressure on because, well, I'm the oldest. I yeah. Shouldn't I be the one leading the way kind of yeah. thing? Did well, you ever and, feel that way? And
1: growing up, you're, you're the example. You you, yeah. you need to lead the way. You need to do this. You need to do that. And so there was just no way for me to kind of emotionally or, or in any other way be able to make sense of what was going on. Right. And so I really bought into, I must be something wrong with me. I must be yeah. broken. There must be something wrong. Yeah. And. In culmination with that I I had the opportunity to go on a LDS mission to Japan and it was really cool my dad had served a mission in Japan it was where I'd always wanted to go Uh you know I was super excited about it and I went out and and just loved it had an incredible opportunity but about a year in my mom um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer Mm. and so I got the phone call of you can come home Um, we didn't know she was sick but I got the phone call around Christmas time of, you can come home and see your mom now, or you can come home in three months uh, for the funeral. And it was really, really, really devastating. For sure. Um, I was able to get on a plane and go immediately home. And I can still remember Todd walking into uh, the hospital and my mom, who was a tiny little lady anyway, was just, just emaciated and and thin and, and just all of those feelings. And, um she was you know and still is it's hard not to talk about it without getting choked up but she was you know the compass for my family she was the lifeblood for my family she was my best friend she knew every bad thing i'd ever done and loved me in spite of it and and um it was really really hard and so having some conversations with her i thought i'd stay home and and uh, be there for the funeral. And her last kind of dying wish was that I went back out to Japan and finished my mission. Really? And so with about, I was only there for about 10 days, turned back around, went back to Japan, and I was there when she passed away. And, um... I had this belief at the time and I'd been raised in such a way that if I had a mustard seed of faith or if I was willing to do the things that people wouldn't do, I would have what people wouldn't have. And so I thought as part of my bargaining chip with God that if I did this, maybe mom would get better. And and the other part was I fully believed my mom would get better if I did this. I fully believed that I had just enough faith that my mom wouldn't die if I paid this price
0: yeah by going back out Mm -hmm. when you when probably most you know your heart was saying I probably want to be around her you know yeah wow
1: and so went back out worked doubly hard Mm -hmm. uh completely got after it and it you know within a few months she passed away and it began uh this process for me to really 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 uh, resenting and hating, uh, my God. Yeah. And, um yeah. Like,
0: why would you do this to me or allow this? Look what I'm doing for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And it, it just, it just started this, this resentment and it was, it was painful. It was hard. Um, you, you and I talk with clients all the time. Resentment and it probably didn't hurt God. Right. But it just drove me uh, yeah. mad. Yeah. It really drove me mad. And it, it, it uh, it forced me to kind of start thinking about everything. Yeah. And so I came home, uh, that next year served my whole mission, had a wonderful mission. And when I came home, I think I also thought, you know, here I paid this price, done this wonderful thing. I'll be just immensely blessed. And I came home and it was super, super hard. And I just couldn't, uh, process all the feelings. Um, you know, I had said on my mission, we, I hadn't gone to a therapist. I hadn't talked about anything, you know. And, and what we had done growing up was just double down and work harder, right? And I think all of the resentments, uh, all of the problems, just just continued, and yeah. and there was no place for me to. I didn't know how to go to therapy. Uh-huh. I didn't know how to talk about things, right? Um, and it just began to kind of boil over. Yeah. And so I can still remember I was playing softball. With some friends, and I played on some really competitive teams here in Utah. And I think we were, we were in Salt Lake, and we had played like six games on one Saturday. And it was the sixth game. And one of the guys had some war tabs. And I was sore and beat up. And he said, Hey, you know, take this, it'll take the edge off, and whatever else. Right. And two things happened one, I took it, and it was that warm blanket of opiates. That just took away all of my physical pain. Yeah. But the kicker is, for me, it also takes away all of my emotional pain. Mm. And so it was just such a relief to kind of get a respite from all of my problems for about three hours.
0: Yeah, and and that yeah, because it was constant for you up to yeah. that point, right? Yeah, and it was just a grind. It, yeah.
1: I was just miserable, and I was going, mm. and I had this crisis of faith. I had this crisis of of my relationship with my heavenly father. Right. I had this the all these things going on, and it literally took that away. Wow. The second part was in the championship game, I think I went three for three and had a really great game. Mm-hmm. And so as a superstitious athlete and baseball player, <laughs> right? Yeah. I believed that these pills now were the magic thing. Yeah. Right. Not my dirty socks or underwear, <laughs> It was these magic pills that it decided. It's so true
0: because when you know when we're in sports, we have all these superstitions. Mm-hmm. Like if I wear my sock a certain way, I'll play better. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I I had that. Yeah. I mean,
1: I had certain <laughs> socks I wore on right. certain days, or I changed this yeah. shirt at this hour. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> and I really believe that these pills yeah. helped me be yeah. a better athlete, and it and that started me down this this you know at twenty eight years of age started me down this road to addiction.
0: So before then no no substance abuse, really no nothing. drinking, no, no nothing at that point no. or so, you know, it's interesting when you say, you know, this resentment that was building and, you know, resentment breeds rebellion. Yes. And, you know, I love that. It really truly does yep. because what we do is we resent God or we resent you know the situation, mm-hmm. and what do we do? We rebel mm-hmm. against what we know is right. Yeah, even. and I'm gonna go blow up my life because I resent you. Yes, right. Yeah. And so many
1: people <laughs> use drugs at somebody else, mom yes. or dad. Yeah. Mom and dad Screw don't understand me, so I'm gonna get high. Yeah, and it, it it's the most fascinating thing. It doesn't hurt. It hasn't hurt mom and dad one time. Right. right? Yeah. But they they use at people, and you you yeah. do the dysfunctional behaviors at someone. Yeah.
0: So, so you start taking, you know, these these so I st- opiates. I and start
1: taking these. Um, I find it really easy because of my family and because of my brother and because mm-hmm. of me to walk into any doctor's office and say, "Hey, I'm an athlete. Uh, I got hurt. I need these prescriptions." And it was easy for me to doctor shop throughout Utah County yeah. and get Loratabs per cassette, and then that turned to OxyContin. Mm-hmm. And OxyContin was, I mean, to this day, an incredible drug. I mean, it is synthetic heroin. For sure. That I mean, I just finished a couple of books on the opioid crisis, and Purdue Pharma made these drugs, fully mm. knowing how addictive they were, and uh, it really didn't take many pills for that to be completely a hold of me. Wow. And so started using those, and this is about ten years worth of of data and problems, and sure. and uh, got married.
0: So you're 20, You're uh, you're twenty eight at this time. Mm-hmm. And were you married when you uh, were, were taking these? When you so first started taking? When I
1: first started, I wasn't. Okay. And in the middle of this, I got married. Got married. Um, okay. She was aware of, of some of the issues going in, but obviously the issues just went
0: you know down. Did your family know about like your brothers and sisters? Did they know you were struggling? Um, with this situation, probably not in the beginning, but I had stolen some pills
1: from from my brother at some point, uh-huh. and and stolen some pills from my dad and things, and so okay. I'm sure you know they were aware. They'd done an intervention at one point, and I'd gone to, gone to treatment and done some, you know, tried to kind of rectify right. the problems. But it was it was the only way I could rationally solve my own issues. Right, and so it was it was, um, you know, one of these things where I had. You know too much access to money was too charismatic um, and was too just committed to to being high and staying high more than anything else to yeah. be willing to take feedback from anybody
0: right yeah yeah kind of that pride kicks in yeah. and that ego kicks ego, in it's pride. like you know what I can do this I'm fine yeah that kind of thing so so that obviously led to uh, other behaviors and stuff and eventually I'm sure th- is this part of the story where it leads into you going to prison yeah so So let's talk about that
1: yeah so um ended up being uh i was in i was in tooele county and running amok and using drugs living out there um and just just doing all this crazy stuff i uh, was out there and and this story was told to me on my sixth day in jail in tooele county one of the officers (laughs) came up to me and he said hey hansen you're a cool guy i said thanks and he said but when you're using you're not cool right and i said what do you mean and he said let me tell you a story you probably don't know and i said okay and he said we were out here about six days ago and we pulled you over because you were driving like seven miles an hour uh, down a main road and he said um when we pulled you over the officer walked up to the car Mm -hmm. to talk to you and you pulled forward a little bit and i thought well i think i'm funny so i probably thought i was being funny right and the guy says that's not funny yeah and he said so the officer walked up again and you pulled forward a little bit and so apparently then they called the SWAT team out surrounded the car and he said i'm the officer who cut you out of your seatbelt and dumped you on your head which gave you the stitches you have on your head. And for the first time, Todd, in six days, uh-huh. I reached up and realized I had stitches so and had staples no idea. in my head, I had no idea. Didn't remember any of it. Wow! And the guy said, you really need to not use drugs. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this said, isn't good. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the information. <laughs> yeah, <That's>, right. <laughs> <laughs> would have been nice to know. But, you know, he was really kind, really nice, but he said, Ty, I should have shot you. He said, if you move a motor vehicle when we're approaching, we're within our rights to shoot you because you can use that vehicle as a weapon. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of one of those beginning kind of wake up calls. And I was so depressed, thought I was so sad. Um, You know, I I thought about ending my life in jail. I I remember tying the socks up. Uh, I got left alone in a cell all alone one night. I remember tying my socks up together thinking this is the only way out of this. It's never, I, I'm never going to be able to stop. Right. And for some reason, I couldn't, uh, I remember putting them around my neck and I just couldn't let my legs go. And yeah. and I'm so grateful for that today. But I remember being at that point of desperation. That where low. There was yeah. no way out of this. Yeah. And so I ended up getting remanded to court uh, back in Utah County. And my uncle happened to be uh, one of the district attorneys there. And I walked into court, and one of my best friend's little brothers was there in court mm-hmm. as uh, one of the prosecuting attorneys. Oh, okay. And I remember having the thought, Todd, of, well, my uncle, my uncle's back there. My buddy's here. I'll probably be out of this and be high in, like, 20 minutes. This is going to go great. Right. And hmm. I essentially went up, and the, the judge was Judge Samuel McVeigh, and he's an old Army colonel. And I went up to Judge... McVeigh's court and I had a prosecuting I had a attorney there and um I can't remember I was still withdrawing and sick and and didn't wasn't really in my right mind and essentially the judge said as they always do come to find out Mr. Hanson if you continue to do this we're gonna send you to prison right and I kind of told my attorney in no uh, you know unkind <laughs> words, right? <laughs> in my infinite <clears throat> wisdom of being sober for 24 hours, <laughs> yeah, let's have him send me to prison. yeah, and I kind of mumbled that through the thing, and the judge heard me and looked at my attorney, and my attorney, um, kind of said, This is not a good idea. And the judge said, Mr. Hansen, I forthwith send you to the Utah State prison' And Todd, I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. And they, um, if you go to prison, you have to be cuffed in the back. And so they immediately came up, put me down on the podium, mm-hmm. changed put my hands behind my back cuff me behind my back and walk me out of the courtroom into a holding cell. And in the holding cell, I began to ask my fellow inmates if I could appeal this decision to the state of Utah. (laughs) Did (laughs) they start laughing at you? Yeah. It turns out you cannot appeal (laughs) (laughs) that decision. And, um, honestly, honestly, Todd, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I went up there and had the opportunity to do the conquest program and I had a bunch of incredible therapists, incredible friends, um and people that showed up for me in my life to say, Hey, the masks you wear, the person you are, the person you pretended to be right. are not real and you've gotta wake up and had all these incredible experiences and then I met a couple of people, um, I got to be kind of like the resident president, the unit coordinator in the prison. And if you're the one guy in prison trying to do the right thing, it's a terrible job and a terrible idea. And I got jumped and beat up and, and I learned a lot about myself. But the one thing I learned Todd is for me to be sober and for me to be in a good place, I have to try to do the right thing Mm -hmm. no matter what it is. And if I'm in prison or if I'm here, and no matter what I'm doing, I have to try to be as honest and as good a guy as I can possibly be. Right. And so well,
0: it's... Real quick, yeah. when you... So you you get sentenced to prison and you're in prison now. are you, What's going through your mind? Are you like, man, I need to change my life. I need to be better. Or was it still a battle of... You know, as soon as I get out, I'm going to go probably back what I'm doing. I mean, what was your mindset when you first got there? So
1: the first year, you're surrounded with a whole bunch of people that are planning other crimes. And I honestly sat there and planned other crimes. Mm. I planned to get out and go this place or rob this person or do this thing. And you sit there with a bunch of people that are sick, a bunch of people that are also in that mindset and decide, you know, what I'm going to do when I get out. I'm going to go see this girl. I'm going to do this thing. And that's all you think about. And then there was a big shift after that first year. And the big shift was I had a couple people believe in me. I had a couple of therapists um, that showed up in my life and Mm -hmm. said, you know, Ty, if you want to be a counselor, if you want to get out and do good, that's an option. Right. And I had so much respect, Todd, for those people and so much love for those people that I remember the thought was, why would they lie to me? but they must be lying to me because I'm such a piece of crap. Yeah. I'm such a terrible person. Here I am sitting in prison and these guys are coming and lying to me. And I remember, um, when one of them said that it was three days, uh, three days of a battle for me saying why I've never heard this person lie before. Why would he lie to me? Why would he tell me that he knows I'm broken? He knows I can't do this. Why would he say that? Yeah. And it really was one of those turning points in me. But it was people loving me when I couldn't love myself. Yeah. And it was people stepping up for me to say, you know, angels. Living angels sure. that just come in and say, hey, you're going to be okay. Yeah, You can do this. You can recover. You can get better. And I began to listen to those messages and take them to heart and believe them.
0: Yeah. It's powerful when when we... Even if we don't believe it in the moment, when someone's saying, "Hey, I, I believe you can do this. I believe in you. You can. You're gonna. You're gonna rise above this." Yeah. Even when you're not even believing it in yeah. the moment, but it's still powerful. There's something that kind of sparks that flame in us and going. You know what? You know this gives me something to push forward towards. If this person thinks that I can do it,
1: yeah, right. And, and that and that was the turning point. Is I had some people that loved me when I couldn't love myself. Yeah, and. Um, One of those guys was a guy named Desmond Lomax and he is uh, a dear friend to this day. And all he said was he was just, just unconditional positive regard at all times. So Ty, you can do this. You know, you're smart. If you want to be a therapist, you could be a therapist. And it started me on this path of, you know, when I get out, I should look into going to school. Right. And, um, I had this crazy experience so one night I'm locked up I'm in there and I was the librarian at the same time I was uh, the unit coordinator and the librarian gave me access to all the books in the prison and so along with these beliefs I started to look at and read you know the power of one and Mm -hmm. all of the self-help books and and I probably in two and a half years read 300 books and was just tearing through all these things on psychology and you know all this great information and while i was in there one day putting some books away um one of the head guys from one of the gangs came in and i had i had tried to do the right thing i had stood up i'd gotten people in trouble i'd taken drugs out of the building i I'd, I'd really you know been a good guy and this guy came in and said you know hanson we don't respect you you know we don't like what you're doing mm and uh you've not been a leader in this community you've you've essentially you know interrupted our business and caused us a lot of problems right and it's not a good thing sure and <laughs> you and i are probably a lot alike todd and i in that moment uh decided to just be uh tyler hansen and say some stuff i shouldn't say <laughs> <laughs> right. and i told the guy you've been here 20 years Uh you'll probably be here another 20 (laughs) and i'm not really interested in your opinion (laughs) and one of the guards was walking by (laughs) and heard this interaction and the guy left guy was kind enough to leave and my my uh one of the guards that was a friend said uh that was a bad idea (laughs) that was a really poor choice (laughs) that guy is somebody here in the prison you're really not Right. He's been here a long time. He's got a lot of friends, and he said, You're going to get beat up. Right. He goes, That's For confronting come for you. him like that. Yeah, yeah. You should have you just backed down, and yeah. you're going to learn a lesson the hard way. And he said, um, But I love you, yeah. and I care about you. So when this happens, he goes, You can't fight back. Because if you do, they win. You'll get more time. You'll be on camera fighting, and you're going to be here another three years. And he said, So when this guy comes, just prophetic statement go down on both knees put your hand behind your head and you can go home to your kids and sure enough Todd. three days later these guys come in um and start punching me in the head from behind and because of that conversation i went down on both knees um, i took a pretty good beating and i got to go home to my family and that's my biggest thing
0: so ultimately you won yeah you know what i mean yeah like but unfortunately you paid a price but well but i but.
1: i i i won in a way that i never thought you win at life right and i've been teaching people that same thing kind of ever since and and we have these issues all the time in treatment and had another one this week in our treatment center where this guy is going to beat somebody up over a coke or over somebody told a lie, yeah. over some crazy thing. And it's so neat to be able to go in and say, guys, I'm a therapist, I'm a business owner, and today, if I gotta take a punch to go home to my little girls, I'm gonna take a punch to go home.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Very cool, so so you get to go, you, you leave mm-hmm. prison, and you're on a new path now, yeah. you're looking at things differently. How did your family handle all of this? And when you got to get out of prison, what was their response to you being out of there and
1: my my family you know is incredible people wonderful wonderful people did not deserve to have me probably in the family <laughs> <laughs> and went through i I put my family through a ton through this process and still call my dad uh, maybe not daily now maybe monthly and apologize for some of the things yeah. <laughs> that i did and, and right. put them through um and he's very kind about it but they 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 struggled and it's hard to know Uh, With the
0: tough,
1: it's hard to know, um, you know, this was kind of in the tough love era. Sure. And so when I got out, you know, they didn't want me to come home. And I I went to, I paroled to some friend's house that would have me. And uh, it was just, you know, I'd done so much damage, hurt my reputation, used their good name, you know, done so many horrible things that I think it was kind of a wait and see mentality and and you know they didn't know what to do with me and and candidly i didn't know what i was going to do right and so got out paroled to some friend's house um remember riding a bike to and from apmp because i didn't have a license and and had to start over you know with with a you know a load of clothes in a laundry basket and and that was the only thing and so um it was really hard for me to start over on my own, and but I had some good friends that let me come to their house in Grantsville and help me out and, and, and started on the path to a life of, of sobriety and recovery. and, and um, I had two things happen, I had a cousin of mine allow me to go work for him at a construction company uh-huh. doing concrete, and that was a wonderful opportunity to realize that I did not want to do concrete the rest of my life, <laughs> ever
0: it's hard work yeah it (laughs) it was
1: brutal brutal long hard days in the sun 12 hour days (laughs) and my cousin to this day is an animal i mean that guy can work like nobody else and he loves it and i don't uh, (laughs) love it at all and so i i put myself in school and todd you'll you'll understand this it is so easy to do your homework after coming home from a day in 100 degree heat and uh I am great at school under those conditions. Yeah. <laughs> and also having read about 300 books, right? knowing how to now not be the dumb jock, but be okay. academically you know a good student, sure. I, I excelled in school and graduated and became a, a substance abuse counselor.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, it's just been incredible. Yeah. Incredible ride, man. Yeah. So um, you've now been clean. We mentioned in the beginning over eight years <laughs> And obviously, you're doing some really good things. And I, you know, I had a friend tell me once, um, a, a very famous friend, uh, Simon Sinek, he said, you know, if you master the first steps of AA, mm-hmm. or excuse me, the first 11 steps of AA, you will drink again. Yeah. If you master step 12, you'll never touch another drop. Yep. And I bring that up, and the reason why is because it's really what you're doing is you are out there now giving back and helping other people Mm -hmm. along the way. So talk a little bit about that and how that's strengthened you, um, moving forward.
1: I, you know, and, and it's a great point, Todd. I completely agree with that across the board. You know, I've had so many people show up for me when I didn't deserve it. And when I couldn't see the forest through the trees and love me when I couldn't love myself, that, um, being able to show up for them has been just a life-changing thing for me. Right. And I love to, you know, therapy and counseling and everything isn't because I have all the answers. Right. It's essentially because I don't, but I want to sit with people in their pain and walk through the pain because I know how wonderful it is on the other side. Yeah. And it's been so wonderful to, you know, now own a treatment center and work with people and get to go back into the jail and back into prison and sit with people in their worst moments and say guys this gets better.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk about that cuz that's a really cool thing. It's it's the it's the Rise program, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And talk about that cuz that's got to be a little surreal. Here here you are. You you went through prison and now you're coming back to the same place talking to them going, "Hey, I've been in your shoes and look what I get to do now." Mm-hmm. To talk about that experience and how that's, you know, been, you know, for you.
1: One of the most horrible sounds and I still have PTSD to this day is is that that gate shutting. Oh yeah. And um I really had some tender experiences in jail and prison where if God exists and the savior walks on this earth, he is in those doors helping people that are at their worst moments. Yeah. And it's just been wonderful. And and the Utah County Jail and Utah State Prison have been so kind to let me go back in and share my experiences and be part of people's recovery. And the RISE program really was kind of James Childs and and Sheriff Tracy and uh, a couple other people's brainchilds. And it was, we're going to bring back some people that have been through some terrible things and let them meet with with the guys right. and work on a transition plan for everybody. So, yeah. and especially Utah County jail, I think years ago, you know, you got out, they let you go right there at the door, you went down to the <laughs> gas station, you tried to hitch your ride home, it was right. a bad deal. Yeah, sure. And now having access to sober livings and treatment and yeah. different resources that people actually need, it's been really nice to be able to go in and say, hey, we've got you a bed at this treatment center, we've got you a bed at that treatment center, we're gonna get you out, we're gonna give you a chance.
0: Yeah. And Put them in a different environment yep. yeah, with some structure mm-hmm. still and yeah. that kind of thing.
1: And that was my biggest experience in prison was seeing people I loved go back out and, and come back within a month or a week because they got out and they were under the viaduct and they went on track someplace and there was nobody there for them. They had the 200 bucks that they had when they got out of prison and, and or mom and dad came to pick them up with a bag of meth and, and, and yeah. a six-pack of beer. And they didn't know a different life. No matter what they wanted to do, if you get out and you're homeless and you have to drink to stay warm, you don't have a shot at
0: it. Yeah, you don't have a shot. Wow. Well, so what a what an amazing program, but also a very it feels a very vital need mm-hmm. uh, for those uh, people leaving prison, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And you've seen the prisons done a better job of transitioning people out and giving them access to resources. Yeah. Um, and and those those programs are vital, Todd, because mm-hmm. you know and, and this is just for me, guys, prison doesn't help. We we should incarcerate people we're scared of, not people we're mad at.
0: Yeah. And there's nobody
1: point. in there with drug, you know, charges that deserves to be locked up with a bunch of people that have the same disease they do. Right. We've proven over and over again there's no benefit. It doesn't work, it doesn't help. Um, the only thing we've ever proven that we can cure um, as a society by locking people up together is leprosy. Yeah. And that we gave them their own island and hope they died. Right. And so access to treatment, access to resources, a bed, a therapist, a warm mm-hmm. hug, yep. a handshake goes a lot farther than yeah. any incarceration does. Yeah.
0: yeah, we hear all the time connections, the opposite of yeah. addiction. Yeah and connection is so powerful mm-hmm. and and that's what i hear you're doing in that program is you're when they leave they're you're connecting them yeah you're connecting them with resources like you said but more importantly with people again who care yeah who care about you and i'm like hey you know kind of like how those guys reached out to you and says no i know you can do this you're going to be successful and you're looking at them going how i don't see that yeah. but but uh but that initial connection you had there look how what that led to for you
1: yeah and and so here here's the you know desmond lomax story is he's this yeah. incredible person he was this linebacker at byu he, he worked for the utah county sheriff's office and went back to school got his degree becomes this incredible human we cross paths in the prison he yeah. he would he was not my therapist but he'd come in and we'd have these little conversations of how do you do this and how do you do that and these leadership things um and then i got out and i would um I would call him and I would check in with him. And he would say the same thing, Todd. He would say You know, you you would expect, hey, you know, I I graduated school or I got married in the temple and I, I did all these things and you would expect one time for him to go, good job. Nice job. And every time yeah. I called Desmond, he would say, You're just getting started. You got more to do. (laughs) You got to keep going. Yeah. You got, you got more to do. Yeah. And he just has become one of my best friends. And now he is, um, retired from the state of Utah from the, from the, uh, he was the, one of the executives up there at APMP, and he's now the executive director of First Steps Recovery Centers. Oh, right on. And so I get to hang out with him every day again. (laughs) (laughs) And and we can do it, and it's a a better scenario. For sure. But he's just one of those people that makes everybody want to be better.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. I have a few questions as I listen to your story. Uh, The first one I have is, you know, we talked about early in this belief cast that you, you know, you being the oldest, you know, and just kind of having... I mean, it just comes with the territory. You kind of have this pressure. I've got, I've got to be the example to my younger siblings and, and that kind of thing. How, how do the, how do your siblings view you now? Do you think, I mean, seeing what you've been through, what you're doing now, you know, and again, I know I'm asking maybe a tough questions because you're not a mind reader, but you can tell how they interact with you. How do they, how do they feel about you now?
1: You know, um, the best part of this whole thing Todd, is the relationship I have with my my dad and the relationship I have with my brothers and sisters, and I've really put them through a lot. And yeah. they've been kind enough to forgive me and all this, yeah. And uh, man, that forgiveness is empowering, yeah. And it's really especially, I talk to my dad probably every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there was a time when we had a different relationship, and it was hard, yeah. And it turns out, um, the more sober I am the smarter my dad has gotten. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And he may have been that smart the entire time. Yeah. I've just learned to listen to him. Yeah. Um, But the relationship I have with him is one of the most special things. Wow.
0: Well, the reason I bring that up is, you know, I I really believe this, and you'll agree, I know it, even without asking you beforehand, but addiction is your wake-up call to your greatness. Yeah. Or you could say it a different way too, adversity is your wake up call to greatness. So love here you you go through all of this and it was as if it was a wake up call, Tyler, to your greatness. And we talk about being a leader as being the oldest sibling, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. But man, look what you went through and how you overcame it and and the work you've put in. You truly are that leader to your siblings. because. Well, well. And I know you don't look at it that way, but I'm just saying it's interesting how that still played out that hey, this is how you do it if you're struggling and overcoming something, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I think I'm, that's powerful.
1: I'm not I'm not great and and you know mediocre leader at best and a lot of things, Todd. But I had a I had a blessing at a young age, and in that blessing, um, you know it's it's you know I I spent a lot of time in the LDS faith being ridden with shame and guilt, right? And never going to be good enough, never going to be able to do that, and and I've done this and I've done that, and I I can't come back and. It was never the case that was simply something that was created in my mind that, that right. made things worse in your own mind and, yeah and i think the reality of it is um you know i had this blessing at a young age and it said you know you'll follow the savior do these good things and you'll have the ability to bless and heal the sick and even that blessing todd for me i thought okay i'm gonna be a doctor Right. <laughs> and I can go to medical school, right and you interpret it in your own like 16 year old way right, right? Like, oh, and it yeah. was and it was at 18, you know I didn't get into medical school, I couldn't do organic chemistry. I was not <laughs> smart enough right to do this, and it was it was God got it wrong, you right. know shame and guilt, shame and guilt. <laughs> I'm never going to measure up. Yeah. I'm never going to add up and then today you come full circle and how prophetic those words were right because and that's all I want to do.
0: Yeah. Well, that was leading into my next question actually, because you had mentioned obviously what, you know, uh, losing your mom, uh, while you're on your mission, very difficult time, obviously Mm -hmm. for anybody to go through that. And, you know, you, you know, you were angry at God, you, you resented him. You you mentioned it was all, you know, you went kind of through this faith crisis where, I mean, I think I already know what you're going to say, but where are you at now? And, And and are those resentments completely resolved with you and your, you know, your, as you say, your father in heaven?
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, you go through this entire process and you think, well, well, God left me, you know, God abandoned me in those moments. And then you, like the poem says, you find out he carried you through all of it. Yeah, the footsteps. Yeah, he had a plan the whole entire time. This was all part of it. It all adds up. It all makes sense. Yeah. It was the horrible way yeah. to go about it. But looking back at it now, Todd, and and believing kind of, of what I believe, it's easy to say, you know, this is what I signed up for. Right. And this was the entire sp- experience I had to have to be where I am today because, you know, the peace I have today, the relationship I have with my kids and my family and my wife and, and the people I work with, is just so special to me and it's because of kind of that refining you know piece of of really having the rough edges kind of cut off and and going through it and i'm i'm still learning sure i'm still getting better all the time (laughs) the things that bothered me last year don't bother me this year yeah you know you just keep improving keep doing your thing but i you know being a parent is 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 wonderful and having five kids is is you know teaching me a lot about all this stuff and there's so much you want to worry about, and so much you want to do, and being a therapist is a terrible, terrible thing with relationships. Because you know, I try to therapize everybody in my <laughs> life. I think my wife's tired of being therapized.
0: Yeah, yeah. My wife says, "Don't, don't therapize yep. me." I'm like, "Okay." I learned early on. <laughs> yep. you know that's awesome, man. It so I I I can guarantee there's some listeners right now who are struggling listening to your story but also I'm sure they're feeling inspired as well um if there is a challenge or some advice that you could give someone right now who's hearing your story and they're, they're struggling and they're f- maybe feeling hopeless and not know where to go what's maybe some advice or a challenge that you could give them you know I talk to
1: people all the time I think my biggest thing I would say to people is go forgive somebody mm. that you're mad at um I have a good friend um named dan roberts and he's the uh he happens to be the announcer for the jazz oh yeah um and he you, you ought to have I, he's he's just a phenomenal i mean yeah, the stories I, he has
0: i would love to have him on yeah. <laughs> he's I'll, amazing
1: he's he's phenomenal and he's he's been there since the inception of yeah of, i
0: mean he's the voice man. yeah I mean, everyone knows it. Like, oh. if you don't know the name, then you're, oh, that's him? Yeah. Yep,
1: got it. And and, yeah. and he and I became really good friends when I was in my addiction and going uh-huh. through my stuff. And um, there was one day when I called Dan, and this is this is just the kind of guy Dan is, said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this business thing. And, and I was lying to him. Right. I'm going to do this business thing. I need 10 grand, you know. I'll, I'll pay it back to you, whatever. And Dan brought me. Next day, hey, meet me for lunch, brought me a check for ten grand. Wow. No questions asked. No big deal. Uh Complete trust. Complete love. And I took that ten grand and got high. And that was when I got arrested and went to prison. And so I spent two and a half years grinding on this money that I'd stole, this thing that I'd done. And when I got out, of course, went through the steps, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you ha- you know, make amends. Make ex- amends. And, and go yeah. through this whole thing. And because I'm a coward, right, I found his address online. <laughs> and I decided I would send him uh, some money. And yeah. I would just start paying this debt off. And it was not a lot of money, Todd. Yeah. And I, and I did this thing and yeah. sent it to him. And it was the one, you know, everybody has these things that you can never be forgiven for in your mind. And there's too bad. They're too terrible. This person I've hurt too deeply. Yeah. And I started sending him these checks. And one day, I got home from work, and I had this voicemail. And it said, Ty, we love you. Thank you for sending the money. It's not about the money. Clearly, you've figured some things out you didn't know before. And keep paying me if you think you need to pay me. But I'm so grateful for your friendship. Right. And so love you. Wow. And... That relationship has just been phenomenal because he was willing this kid that came in and screwed him worse than anybody probably ever has, he was willing to forgive me. That's awesome. And last year I paid him, you know, the last of the money, Todd. And and those things in my life, forgiving I've been the unforgivable, mm-hmm. right? Forgiving those people and reaching out to those people that have hurt you. And and doing those hard things, I think, is what life is all about.
0: Wow. That is powerful. Very powerful. And I couldn't agree more. What a, what a great challenge for all of us is if there's someone that you're resenting, mm-hmm. you know, forgive them. You know, because, again, like we talked about early on in your story, these resentments that had built up. Yeah. Look what it led to. I mean, yeah. it led to you kind of blowing up your life. Not kind of. Blowing yeah. oh, up yeah. your life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh I think that would, that solves a lot of things. And I think that's a great challenge for everyone. You know, yeah. I, I really think that's awesome.
1: Well, I think with this, this new world we have mm-hmm. and grieving the old world mm-hmm. and, and the process of, of the virus and all these different things, I hope we learn the lessons of, of connection Yeah, and, and that, that this, this thing could all go away. In a matter of months or in a matter of days and yeah. what are your relationships you know yeah. reach out to those people that, that, that you have most yeah. yeah and and handle that stuff yeah, that's awesome because there's not one time i've done it todd that it hasn't been
0: just beautiful beautiful i love it thanks for that um well if someone wanted to reach out to you and get to know you better or learn more about you know uh, steps and, and the things that you do and rise, the program, all of that. what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? My
1: email is uh, Tyler H at uh, steps uh, RC for recovery dot com. okay. Anybody's willing to contact me there. My Instagram's Ty Tie Hansen uh, and then through steps Recovery centers here in Utah. we have ten facilities and and reach out through any of that. I'd love to help and talk to people and wow. have have incredible friends like yourself, Todd and Oh, thank Anything you Impossible.
0: Thank you. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for spending an a early morning s- Saturday with me and and for all of us to to come and share your amazing story. And, you know, I love your vulnerability. I think that is that's what makes you you. Yeah. Um, I felt that today. And I want to thank you th- that that uh, it's been my honor to sit here with you today and hear it. Yeah, thank you, Todd. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, there you go, folks. Another amazing story. I mean, this just, it's, man, life is amazing. And and like what Tyler was saying, how important that connection is. And I think through this belief cast, we're all connecting right now. And so take that challenge that he said, go forgive someone. And I know it's not the easiest thing to do. It's tough. But remember, when you forgive, it releases the resentment and you no longer want to rebel. So it's truly a blessing for yourself as well. So um, please share this with anyone you know that might be struggling um, and I want to thank again all of you for believing in me so many listeners, so many comments so many people are connecting with this and uh, it wouldn't be possible without people like Tyler and all the guests that I've had on and our sponsor for Asking I just feel so blessed so blessed to be sitting here honestly. so once again thanks for being on here Tyler